This is Rolling Rocks Radio with Jerry Armentrout, Cody Carter, and Scott Barker. All right. Welcome to another edition of Rolling Rocks Radio, the podcast where we talk about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, and anything else we find entertaining. I'm Scott Barker. He's Jerry Armentrout. Hey. And today we have another special guest. I teased this one a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about having the online Twitter open mat crew in for the Coffee Wars uh, Chronicles. So tonight is the the first edition of the Coffee Wars Chronicle. We've got um, my sister in a gi. We got Becky Morris on on the line today. Becky, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys today? Oh, we're awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. So um, Becky is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, a brand new blue belt. Way to go. Very, very proud. Very awesome. Um, and uh, so she's got some other stuff going on, which is going to be fun to discuss. But so Becky, just to get started, like, what's your story? Like, like, where you come from? How'd you come up? How'd you get into Jiu-Jitsu? Tell us about what makes Becky Becky. Um, Well, I grew up in a super small town, and obviously I'm from Georgia, (laughs) and um, I ended up moving to a slightly larger town that was about an hour and a half away to go to school, and majored in psychology, and later got my master's degree in marriage and family therapy, and decided since I was going to be doing that kind of line of work that I really didn't want to move back to my small town. So I just stayed where I was and continued to, to practice there. Um, ended up marrying my husband, had a couple of kids and uh, kept working probably about 15 years or so in my field. And about four years ago, decided that Brazilian jiu-jitsu sounded like a fun thing to get into. I realized I was a turn 36 I was closer to 40 than I was to 30 so I decided I needed to do something to shake things up a little bit and decided to dive into that so what was it about Brazilian jiu-jitsu that said this is what I need to do in order to to you know, try to improve your fitness right because for mm-hmm. a lot of folks and a lot of ladies that seems somewhat counterintuitive right and we'll do cardio kickboxing or we'll do pilates or we'll do a a bar class but what was it about jujitsu that attracted you to the sport Uh, you know there were actually several different avenues that kind of led me to brazilian jujitsu um One thing was at the time, my son was really struggling with a bunch of different things. He was um, probably about eight or nine at the time. And I kind of wondered if him seeing a parent struggle with something and not quit, if maybe that would inspire him to do the same. So I thought, well, that might be something that he's interested in. Um, in addition, my husband and I had taken a firearms training class where it was, um, this moment of what to do between pulling your weapon and creating space and deciding when to fire that weapon. And it was about fighting and things like that. And I realized I knew absolutely nothing about fighting, that it went completely against all of my natural instincts. And 
I had also had a, a good friend of mine that I knew from like childhood that he had been practicing Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well. And he had also been fire, doing firearms training and things of that nature. And I talked to him a little bit. And so it was kind of a culmination of all of these things coming together that it was, well, let me try this out. Let me see if this makes sense. And I went to my very first class and thought, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? But <laughs> I think that's a common, I think that's a common feeling for all first time people. They're like, what did I just do? Right. But I am incredibly stubborn. And I thought, well, I've mentally committed myself to this, so I'm going to stick with it. And, you know, four years later, here I am. And I still really like it and really enjoy it. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so what you mentioned, um, you're letting, you know, wanting your son to see you struggle. How has Brazilian jiu-jitsu affected your family life and, and what kind of improvements have you seen there? Well, um, all, everyone in my family has tried it and none of them have enjoyed it as much as I have. So they all stuck with it for about six months to a year and they discovered, you know, that's not really my thing, but I think they all are really excited that I enjoy it. So they support me, but I'll try to, to balance having my family and making sure that they're number one because yeah. family, yeah. but jujitsu comes second. Um, and so I do balance. So I'm not going to be the person that's going to be on the mats four times a week, five times a week, every single time the, the gym is open. I'm okay with that, meaning that my belt rank isn't going to progress as quickly. I'm not going to progress as quickly as other people because my family is going to come first. Yeah. And we've talked about that quite a bit in the past of trying not to, you know, not to create jujitsu widows or jujitsu widowers and, you know, <laughs> trying to remembering that jujitsu is the long game, right? It's, this is a, this is a long-term thing that, that we're here to do. Um, and that, you know, you're going to have to make sacrifices on both sides, right? But jujitsu should be a priority, but not the only priority in your life. The way I look at it, my, I've got a, a 10 year old daughter and my son is 12 now, and they're only going to be this age for a certain amount of time. Those mats are always going to be there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so you, um, you mentioned that your, um, your master's was in, um, marriage therapy. How did you get into that role? Where, what, what drew you to that avocation? <laughs> um, I grew up in a kind of difficult home life. And sometimes whenever you grow up in a difficult home life, you have a certain compassion for other people that also struggle. And so, um, I really love helping people. I really love um, the puzzles of learning how people make sense of the world and helping them figure out that puzzle too. So um, it, it can translate to jujitsu as well, like having those, those struggles and um, learning to put all of that together is just, it can be kind of complex sometimes, but uh, I really enjoy doing it. I really being in the room with someone when they kind of have that moment and they say, you know, I've never really, I've never shared this with anyone. I think that that is just that sacred ground that whenever they are willing to invite you into that space with them. 
Mm-hmm. And if you can create some kind of meaning for someone and help them to, to heal from some kind of trauma that they might have experienced, that that's a pretty incredible feeling for me. And it helps them to live a, a better kind of life. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so where'd you go to school? I went to Valdosta State University. Okay. Tiny in Georgia. Nice. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of Valdosta, Georgia, at least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you just recently got your blue belt. So um, I keep threatening to come down and visit you, but the way things have been going, we haven't been able to make that happen. But what does the belt, um, what does the promotion um process look like in your gym because we we talk about that we're a we're a gracie gym uh so we test and we have a very prescribed belt testing process but some of the gyms that i train at when i travel um the promotions come based on the coach's assessment of your skill set is tonight you get your blue belt so what was um what does it look like in your gym and what was it like getting up to that point where you were ready for your blue belt um, at my gym, it is more, um, the coach assesses you based on your performance and he kind of keeps an eye on you and you don't necessarily test. You just kind of come to class one night and surprise it's you get, you're getting your blue belt. Um, I have, like I said, I've been training for four years, so I've kept my white belt for a really long time. I recognize it. Like I said, I, I only train a couple of times a week. That, that's been my big thing is I commit to at least two classes a week. Anything extra I get is a bonus. I also recognize that the, the way that my brain processes how I learn that I don't pick up on things as quickly as other people. So I may need to see a move four or five, six, sometimes maybe 10 times before it really sinks in and it really makes sense to me. Um, so I hung out at white belt for a long time, which I think is okay. I don't mind that. Um, so whenever I did get my blue belt, it was, it was a really wonderful feeling <laughs> that it was, I finally accomplished this. I finally got it. And I didn't feel like I got it because it was, dang, this girl's been here for so long. I'm just going to give it to her. I felt like I genuinely earned it, that my coach saw my potential and that he believed in the ability that I had. And so it, it was a really, really great place to get to finally. Nice. That's awesome. So you said that you were at, at, at White Belt for four years. Um, mm-hmm. You had, a, you had a, a bit of a significant injury a couple of years ago. You had a pretty bad concussion that you had to work through, didn't you? I, I actually had um, three concussions in the, in the span of a year. I had in September of 2018 or 2019 I believe and then it was almost a year later whenever we were just coming back in 2020 that I had another one and the first two were were mild and then um I came back about six weeks later I had done everything that the doctor said to do about just you know, paying attention to your body and things of that nature. And um, whenever I came back, uh, we weren't really minding our space the way that we should have. And I ran head into 
head to head with someone and got another concussion really shortly after that, that second one that I had. And that ended up being really, really rough. Okay. Yeah. I remember you, you chronicled that journey quite a bit on your Twitter account. Um, mm -hmm. you, you talked quite a bit about that one. What was the recovery like, um, for you from, uh, from the, well, from that whole string of concussions? Like, what did you have to do? How has your game changed? What was that, that process of recovery like? It was, I, I really kind of struggled with if I really needed to continue to train jujitsu because with the type of job that I do, I, I can't have a brain injury. You know, mm -hmm. I can't not be able to put those puzzles together for the people that I'm working with. Um, and one of the, the main things that I noticed with my concussions was I was really struggling to find my words. I would, um, I would be working with someone and I would be really trying hard to, to, to recognize what they were going through. And I would, I would put it together in my head, but then I wouldn't be able to verbalize it. And I would get so frustrated because it was something that would come so easily for me before the concussions. And then it wasn't coming easily. And so I really questioned whether jujitsu was something that I needed to continue with, because now this was something that was beginning to impact what I did to make my money, what I did to earn my living. And um, I decided that if I was going to continue, I had to significantly change the way that I did jujitsu. I had to significantly change my mindset with jujitsu. Um, I couldn't be one of those people that just went in and just trained really, really hard and went super fast and um, was really competitive all the time. I had to be someone that went a little bit slower and became much more technical. And um, eventually it did result in me changing gyms because I did change it to a gym that is is actually ran by the friend of mine that got me into jujitsu, but he, he teaches in a way that my, that I understand I, the way that I, um, that I equate it to is almost like if you have always attended some lectures that were audio and maybe you're, you're a more visual learner, I, I have found a gym that's maybe a more visual gym. Um, but it's also a gym where it is turned down a little bit more. It's more focused on the technical stuff and things of that nature. It's not as competitive there. And there's nothing wrong with competitive gyms. I'm not saying that, you know, one is better than the other, but it's just that the gym that I'm at. I, I'm sorry. It's what works for you. I mean, that's Absolutely. what it comes down to. Absolutely. And, and so, um, it was, if I did want to continue in this sport, I had to make those changes. And those are the changes I ended up making. Okay. Yeah, I, saw, I, I, I had a, a massive concussion and it took me a long time to recover. And I still have uh, post-concussion issues where I'll get migraines, I get fatigued. Yep. And mm -hmm. mine, I got hit in the head with about a hundred some pounds of uh, metal. And mm -hmm. it, it put me out and you're talking about the talking part uh when I would think I was talking but no words were coming out of my mouth I thought mm -hmm. I was answering questions and uh I wasn't because I couldn't it wasn't registering so I understood what you were just saying and it it affected my memory it affected a lot of stuff it took me probably about six months to get 
back to where I could actually not drool on myself and, and focus and not drag. <laughs> I used to drag my right foot. I would, I would drag my foot behind me. I wouldn't actually mm-hmm. take a full step. So yeah, mm-hmm. those, those concussions are bad. Is this the break raiders? Hey. Yeah, the break raiders. Jerry, Jerry at his old job had a love-hate relationship with break rotors. I think break rotors hurt you more times than anything else in your previous, in your previous yeah. job. Yeah. Broken foot, broken yeah, fingers. Broken foot, broken fingers, concussion. your concussion. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. Jerry and break rotors don't get along very well. Um, and, and, you know, you brought up the, the different learning type. You know, we've talked on the show a couple of times about how to find a, a gym and, that not everybody's gym experience is going to be the same. They're not looking for, mm-hmm. not everybody's looking for the same thing, right? Like Jerry and I are looking for something different than the guy who wants to, you know, come be an MMA fighter, right? right. Those are going to be right. two totally separate gyms and neither <laughs> of them is wrong. It's just what works, what you're looking for. Well, but we're also, we're lucky here because we actually have, we have our head coach, but then we have, uh, three other assistant coaches that all four of them teach differently. So you can get the difference. And then we have a lot of visiting coaches, a lot of visiting instructors that we get that and they teach differently. So we act, we're lucky here because we actually have a broad range of learning and a whole different aspect. We have a self-defense uh, focus. We have a tournament style focus. We have uh, one of our assistant coaches, Scott Allen, went through the Gracie stuff, and he's a certified women's instructor, and he's uh, really, really good at the technical aspects of everything. So, I mean, yeah, we, we're lucky here because we can yeah. cover all those bases if you want. But, yeah, there's other gyms that, you know, I've, I've, I've been to a couple different ones, and I've talked to a lot of people, and there, yeah, the people end up leaving their gym because this gym is really aggressive and everybody's fighting. Well, this, our gym here, uh, back in the day, it used to be a bloodbath before our coach bought it out and took over. People just got hurt. You you just showed up and survived. And now it's, right. we're not doing that here. Yeah, that's that's not what we're here to do. Because what I'd say our average age is 30s. 30s. Yeah, yeah our, our average adult class age is in the 30s, right? So yeah, we've all got jobs. Yeah, most of us are in our 40s. I mean, yeah. I'm 40, yeah, we're 45. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we, we have an old uh, age wise where, yeah, you're never too old to be immature. That's my theory. But uh, (laughs) I mean, all of our, all of our, most of our teammates, so like I said, our average age is in the thirties, right? We got a couple of youngsters, but they're, they've got the right mindset, right? We've got Jacob who um, is one of our white belts who trains with us in here on Sundays. He's a former high school wrestler, competitive high school wrestler, but he's got the right mindset, right? He, he knows we're not, coming in here to limp the net because you know, he's got a job right he's a he's a pipe welder right so he's got to be able to perform um at his job uh you know during the week as well so we've got i think mindset of the gym probably has more importance on on how the gym operates than just like the physical style right because you can kind of parse physical styles yeah because right we, we me and you will roll yeah hard as hell we'll try to kill each other but then we'll turn around and roll somebody else and roll roll, roll technical and slow but mm-hmm. it's me and him we were in here rolling one 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 i think it was a thursday and we were trying to kill each other yeah and we had a visitor come and was watching <laughs> and 
one of our assistant coaches was trying to talk to her and she was like, he was like, no, this is a very controlled sport. And then here we are, we're just trying to just beat each other's ass. And he was like, but these two guys are actually best friends. So don't, don't, they're, they're like, don't really worry good about friends. It. they're best they're, friends. They're, they do this all the time. This is just how they are. We're we trying yeah, to just kill each other. We, we were getting after it that day. We got done and we, and like, I'm, I'm on the bottom and I look up and the poor woman's eyes are like this big around and Jerry's like, that was great, man. And she's just like, yeah. yeah, but Matt, our, our, our official unofficial greeter, he's like, they're best friends. They, they get along really well. And meanwhile, we're trying to murder each other. Um, but yeah, good times. Yeehaw. Um, so what was the process of changing gyms like? Um, because I've seen, there's been a lot of discussion about that on the interwebs recently. Um, what was, what was that process like for you? I mean, you obviously knew, you said that the coach of the new gym was the guy who actually got you into it, but, but what was that process like changing gyms? It was tough. Um, because I had trained at that first gym whenever I got started, I had a lot of really close connections with a lot of the people there. It, it, it genuinely felt like a breakup. It, it was hard to leave. But um, the new gym that I ended up transitioning to was such a good fit. And um, he had um, he had one affiliate gym in one town and he was opening opening up another gym at a t- in a town that was a little bit closer. And whenever he opened up that new gym, it was OK. Now is is the time um, it was like the universe, God, whatever you believe in. I believe in God. It was. He was telling me, it's time for you to move. It is time to make this change. And um, so I went ahead and I, I made, the, made the move. And those first few months, it, it was sometimes I was just getting a private lesson with a black belt because it was just he and I that were showing up for class. And then more people started coming in and more people started coming in. And now we just have this really amazing group of people there. And as someone that whenever I first started jujitsu that I would walk in the gym and I would count how many females were in the gym because I I wanted to know that I wasn't going to be paired with another guy. I walk in now and I'm in a gym where it's just me and two other ladies and it does not bother me because I I'm okay with all of the guys I'm training with because they're all great. And I don't mean to insinuate that the other guys I was training with at my previous gym were bad, but because I did have so many other really great ladies to train with, I stuck with them and, and I developed a comfort zone and I kind of ended up training with the same two or three, four people over and over and over again. And th- there were definite benefits to that, but I do like the new place that I'm at now because it, it is such a, a much better fit for me and what my needs are now. Gotcha. So give your gym some love. Where are you, where are you training and who's your head coach? I'm training at Moultrie Jiu-Jitsu Academy and my head coach is Professor Scott Ferguson. That's awesome. Good deal. <laughs> All right. Well, so we're going to take a break real quick. And when we get back, we will talk more with Becky Morris about all things jiu-jitsu and anything else that she finds entertaining. So we'll be right back. And we're back. All right. So while we were on break, Becky inadvertently brought up the thing that brought us all together in this podcast, coffee. So first of all, 
What are you drinking in your coffee this morning, Becky? Just black coffee with a little bit of creamer in it. So that means it's not black coffee, but that's okay. Uh, baby, baby steps. Okay, that's better. So the the way this so, so the way the Coffee Wars Chronicles got started was somehow, and I don't exactly know how we got in this. I think it was you were you and Joe were posting your therapy coffees, right? Your your break time <laughs> coffees, and then right. Matt and I, being the grumpy old men that we are, had to get in there because, of course, the ladies and and, and we're gonna have we're gonna have Joe on here uh, at the end of the month after we have Matt on, um, but you know the girl the ladies like their fluffy coffees their iced coffees with a lot of flavor and stuff in them and matt and i are are, that's not coffee that's something else blah and it it all kind of went downhill from there so we have this between the the five of us we have this nice little back and forth about coffee so um we're, we're proud of becky she's trying to get towards black coffee um but on your go to What's your go-to coffee drink? Like when you want to have something nice, regardless of whether like Matt and I are harassing you, what's your go-to coffee? So there is a local coffee shop in my town called the Red Owl. Okay. And they have a drink called the Dosta Double, which is a double strength iced coffee that's made with half and half and brown sugar. And I will typically get that topped with cold foam and a little bit of caramel drizzle. That's my fancy coffee that I like to get. That's that's pretty high class coffee right there. That's that's pretty impressive. Um, so, but you're also we got to we got to throw a little shout out to our buddy Nick Nick Lowry at Ground Shark Coffee. Becky's got her white belt mug. We need to get you a blue belt mug. Um, but Nick's got some of the best beans out there. So if you're listening and you need good coffee, go check out groundsharkcoffeecompany.com because yeah, yeah. they they are legit and Nick's a great guy. Yeah, their whole bean coffee is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can I can drink his coffee black. There you go. I I drink black rifle black. Like ultra black or like I drink any of their coffees black. Yeah. Have you had Black Rifle yet? I have not had Black Rifle. Yeah, I Black drink, Rifle's good. That's my go-to. I drink CAF, which is caffeinated. Is, yeah. I drink that. <laughs> that's what I drink basically all the time. I drink, I have a mug that holds eight cups. So that's just. That's a keg with a handle on it. That's just my go-to. So, you know, and it's all coffee. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's all, yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's, how I, like. it's, it's how I get through life. Caffeine and hate. Okay, so have you seen the shot tops that you can get for the ready t- for the Yeti tumblers? Yeah, have you seen these? Mm-hmm. My husband has a cap, flask cap. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, the flask <laughs> cap. Yeah, a little hit the button, get a little something something in there. I'm thinking, yeah, that might have to happen. Yeah, but so speaking of speaking of a little something something, Becky's also a whiskey drinker. Oh, yeah. so we got whiskey, we got jujitsu, and we got coffee, and we talked about firearms. I'm I'm pretty yeah. sure Becky's our spirit animal. Yep. <laughs> so so tell me about tell me about whiskey, Becky. What's your favorite whiskey? Don't judge me. I like Blanton's. There's nothing right. Blanton's actually that's <laughs> difficult to come by up here. Yeah. She, yeah. she was telling me how many bottles they had. I was yeah, like, Blanton's, okay, now you're showing off. Yeah, up here, Blanton's Blanton's is like the holy grail because like random this the the universal line how we were able to get 
a couple of bottles of Blanton's. <laughs> Blanton's, Blanton's is okay. It's it's very popular. That's mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that that's the thing. It's hard to get. It's very popular. Buffalo Traces. They still don't have their nine gazillion dollar uh, distillery expansion open yet. So hopefully, when they get that figured out, we'll have more of the holy hand grenades of whiskey available. You know, throughout the throughout the world. Um, but anything's better than that that bathtub stuff we drank. <laughs> the yeah. Walking Dead stuff. Oh the, yeah, yeah. The bathtub. Like home. the third or fourth show, yeah. he brought a bottle of um, the Walking mm-hmm. Dead whiskey, and it was. Oh. It was supposed to be like if you were making whiskey like in your garage during the apocalypse. And that's what it tasted like. It tasted, it was apocalypse in a bottle. I would drink it, but you know. It it was, yeah, it's definitely bathtub whiskey. I mean, you can taste it, but I mean, yeah, it doesn't, it wasn't bad, but it's definitely not something I, you know, I'm gonna go spend hard on money on again. Yeah. I mean, I bought it because it was on sale. And it has a really cool bottle. So I kept the bottle. Well, and then there was that bottle of Cuddy Sark Prohibition edition I brought in. I brought a bottle of Cuddy Sark Prohibition in. Mm-hmm. That stuff, it's really good, but you've got to have a particular yeah. palate for yeah. it. It's 100 proof, single cut scotch, and it's a little rough. I, we were, I was impressed. We were impressed with Creekwater. I was for, talking. I was yeah. talking to some coworkers about that this week. Have you seen the Creek Water whiskey? Uh, I have not seen that one. It's it's really good. It's um it's hundred proof. It's by um Yellow Wolf. By Yellow Wolf. Yellow Wolf. Whatever. Yeah, he's a uh, he's he's kind of like a rapper from Alabama. From Bama, <laughs> yeah. Or so Arkansas he's or one of them states. I think it's Bama. Okay. He, he's this Alabama rapper, and he's like he says, "I'm like a trailer park rapper." And like, this is his whiskey and it's actually really good. We weren't sure about it when we tried it because it comes in a flip top bottle, like a, like a, like a Kolsch bottle. I was like, I'm not sure about this. It was really good. It comes, it's whiskey, but it finishes a lot. Like it has almost a peaty uh, aftertaste, almost like a scotch. Yeah. So it's, it's actually not bad. It was, yeah, it's pretty good whiskey. It was, it was quite good. Yeah. Lead slingers. You try lead slingers. Lead slingers is good. Yeah. That's from the Black, 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 Black Rifle, Rifle guys. guys. Yeah. So how did you get, again, this is, this is kind of interesting. How did you get into drinking whiskey? Because I, I find that ladies don't initially go for whiskey, right? They start somewhere else and then they kind of grow into whiskey. So how did you get into, how'd you get into whiskey? Well, um, I mean, I'm a Southern girl. I think that that just kind of comes with the territory. And um, my husband and I have had this tradition over the years of, we don't really like to buy each other gifts when it comes to holidays and things like that, because you know, stuff, it, it, it gathers dust and mm-hmm. you forget about it. And so instead we will forego buying each other's things for holidays. And whenever our anniversary comes around, we'll go on a trip. Okay. And occasionally what we will end up doing, instead of planning a trip together, what one of us will do is we'll plan the trip and we won't tell the other one about it until like the day that we're leaving and has planned some really amazing trips for me. And whenever it came my turn to plan a trip for him, we ended up going to Louisville 
a few years ago and I decided we're going to go to the bourbon trails and try different bourbons and things like that and then whenever we got on the plane and he figured out where we were going he's like oh there's a baseball museum museum up there too and so it ended up being a really good win and we went up there and I already liked bourbon a little bit but going up there we tried a bunch of different bourbons and I really went from just kind of being a dabbler to someone that really enjoyed it. Nice. Gotcha. Yeah. My wife started, um, she started with like stuff like Amaretto sours and then it was whiskey sours and then slowly it was no sour, just whiskey. And now she's a, she's a straight bourbon drinker with me. So we, uh, mm -hmm. we, I managed to, uh, corrupt her my wife started with vodka and tequila and that's how we had dylan and then now she drinks scotch when she drinks but <laughs> we end up with a kid from tequila so. I, I'm, I'm telling you that explains a lot about dylan yeah his son's a frost giant he's yeah. six eight no uh, he's six four okay six four and a half something like that yeah. I'm, I'm five nine on a good day so he come out and he's a monster. I mean, he was a month late. He weighed almost 12 pounds. And yeah, he's just a humongous. I mean, my father-in-law is like 6'6". Six, six, so he takes after his grandfather. But yeah, I wear his hand-me-downs. It's easier that way. <laughs> when he outgrows it, I wear it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dylan used to come and train with us. And, and it was... Yeah. You know, it was, you know, trying to do grips on somebody that tall. It's like, come here, you know, and that big, if and that could, big. Yeah. If he could figure out how to use his height and weight, he'd be dangerous. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll get that. That'll be the closing question. I'll save that for, for when we sign out. So um, your Twitter handle is punks. Don't cry. Yeah. Yep which is one of the best Twitter handles I've ever seen. So tell me about punks don't cry. How did you come up with that Twitter handle? <laughs> okay. Um, so my husband and I have been together for a really long time. Um, we met whenever we were teenagers and bless his heart. He, um, he dealt with me whenever I was very young and I was very immature <laughs> and I used to put him through some really awful things whenever we were younger. And he is just, he, he's a saint. Um, whenever I was younger, I, I used to do like the little girl test. Like I would put my hand in the middle of the truck and wait to see if he would hold my hand. And if he wouldn't, then I would get mad at him. Thankfully, I have grown out of that kind of stuff, and I recognize the, um, the immaturity of that kind of stuff, but I would absolutely do those kinds of things whenever I was younger, and um, when I would get upset about those kinds of things, instead of getting angry with me, he would start joking. He would start picking on me and things like that, and um, one of the things that he would start doing is he would start calling me a punk, and when one of those days I was kind of, I was upset and I was crying. I was like, you just don't love me. You just, you're just so mean to me. And he was like, you're just being a punk and punks don't cry. And <laughs> it, it, in my immature 22 year old brain, I was like, yeah, they do. And I immediately quit crying and I looked at him and he looked at me and we just busted out laughing. And I realized how ridiculous I was being. And so for years, it became kind of one of our joking kind of things of if I started kind of getting irritated about something that was ridiculous, he would just look at me and say, punks don't cry. Like, 
okay. And, and it was, it was kind of our call signal. And so it ended up being my Twitter handle. And now I kind of realize, okay, I'm a therapist. And I have a Twitter handle that says punks don't cry, but it comes from something that's, there, there's a lot of history in it. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Well, it's, it's like Twitter handles and tattoos, right? If they don't have good right. stories behind them, it, it just doesn't make sense, you know? No, right. That's, that's right. pretty cool. That's a great story. I like that one. You know, but you, yeah. but you should have tests. You know, that's how you know someone's. You know, should you should keep them. Right. Um, yeah. I would. Uh, I would let a woman into the vehicle first, and I'd walk around behind the whatever vehicle I had, and if she didn't reach over and unlock my door, we didn't go on a second date. Because <laughs> she's too 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 self involved to open my door to unlock <laughs> it, so we didn't go on a second date. There you go. Yeah, that was that was one of my rules. That was one of those things. Isn't that, isn't that how the the the, uh, the plot for singles went? I don't remember. It's it's I, someone taught me when I was young. Hey, and it, then so yeah, it's it, one of those things that just gets passed around. Yeah, you that know, works. Like don't sweat the small stuff and everything small. Small stuff. stuff. Yeah. No matter where you go, there you are. I remember that next time we go drinking, Jerry, I'll unlock your door for you. <laughs> You're, I, I hope someone drives because when we <laughs> drink, it's bad. <laughs> This is true. I had, I had the, I had the darndest dream the other night. It, this is strange, but I had a dream. She's a doctor. She might be able to fix it. Yeah, exactly. This could, you could explain this. I, I had a dream that Jerry and I went out drinking and we got in a bar fight together. And like we, uh, we, we used very good cohesive small unit tactics. Um, Jerry got really mad and did uh, all, all I remember was him saying, you're a pathetic human being in like this where he's trying to imitate like animal from the road warriors from the <laughs> WWE. And then he flips the table over. I'm like, okay, so we're doing this. He goes after the one guy I'm climbing over the back of the, the couch or, or the back of the booth because a guy's trying to flank Jerry. I'm yelling, Jerry on your left, Jerry on your left. And then I, woke, then I, I, I Tombstone pile drove the guy, and that's where I woke up. It was the strangest dream. I have no idea where that came from. Yeah, I'm not violent at all. No, I'm, I'm, I'm all. a teddy bear. I'm nice. No, uh -huh. <laughs> really. So yeah, that's yeah, strange. That was yeah, strange dream. But hey, it was all good. The drunken panda on your left, Jerry. Um, <laughs> all right. So what brought you? What brought you to Twitter and how did you end up in the area of Twitter that you're in? Because Jerry and I talk a lot about how social media can be an absolute dumpster fire um, if you're not intentional about it. And I think the group that you and I hang out with, with Joe and, and Matt and Jerry and Nick and you know a lot of our, our Twitter friends are actually we're actually friends. We know each other, right? We talk to each other. We we've got a good core group of people on Twitter and it's, it's not a dumpster fire. So like, how did you end up, how did, how did you end up in the area that we all kind of, you know, uh, congregate in, in, in Twitter? How'd that happen? Well, um, Twitter has been one of the social media sites that I've kind of I've been on it and I would get off of it because like you said, it would become a dumpster fire and then I'd get on it and then I'd get off of it because it became a dumpster fire. And I finally kind of found 
like you said, our little group that I really enjoy talking to and it hasn't gone downhill. And I think it's because we're all a really genuine group of people and we're not there to have an ego or to pretend to be people that we're not, that we all try to be pretty authentic. And because of that, there's a good reason to sign on every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. I it's what we've talked about that before. It's like when we post stuff, it's like cool, and we're supporting supporting each other, or you know. <laughs> and if it is like picking, it's like it's the funny stuff. Like me and Matt that one night back and forth with like surrender, you know, firefly memes back and <laughs> forth for like two hours. I mean, that, that's that's the sort of stuff. It, yeah, that's fun. I mean, mm-hmm. You got yeah, and like you said, you're real. You're you know, you're mm-hmm. a parent, and you're married. Uh, Joe's got. Two yeah. little kids and she's dealing with being a nurse and a lot of stuff where she posts is just her daily struggles with being a nurse and being a mom and uh matt's got the you know his children you know his kids even though they're you know grown and you know dealing with the, the you know his coffee every morning i mean that's and well we'll be out we will put a caveat what we send what we post for y'all is pretty cool the stuff that we send privately yeah, yeah. we would be seeing a different doctor yeah we yeah our, our our personal messages to each other get a little aggressive sometimes, get a little dark. but that's okay my that's, wife my wife our both our wives have like how are y'all friends it's like this this is why we're friends this is who we are this is everyone that though yeah uh um, i still pick on even our coach has like looked at me funny kiss god got hurt in here by you know doing a drill someone you know caused him to blow his knee out and he had to have surgery and every once in a while i'll still be like hey you should tap and this is what you know, and people are like he couldn't attack. He should attack. <laughs> it's his fault. Should attack. I came in here the week. I came in here the week after, and I had gone to the doctor and like had the MRI done. And I was talking to Jerry and Coach, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I got to go have surgery." Blah blah blah. And just without missing a beat, Jerry's head swivels and goes, "You should attack." And Coach is like, "What?" <laughs> I'm just like, "Yeah, I know. I should have tapped. I'm a loser." Yeah, it's his fault. But oh well, that's how it goes. Well, yeah, we're we're pretty we're pretty devious to each other. Yeah, but our our coach just he just understands it's shenanigans. If we're involved, it's, it's shenanigans. There's shenanigans. There's times yeah. he'll just look at us during class and we're doing something totally unscripted, and it's just like, what are you doing? Yeah, like the sidewalk. Like the, I I knew you were gonna bring that sidewalk slam. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a, a a self defense from a side headlock that we do, and it. You, you know, guys got you in the bulldog side headlock and you step around, you grab the ankles and you pick them up and you kind of, if you're in the gym, you set them down gently or if you're out in the street, you kind of you know, pick them up and coach is like, you go faster, go faster. So we were trying to do it faster and I got Jerry in the headlock and he sets behind and he grabs my legs and he picks me up and there's this really strange sensation of weightlessness and my first thought was, oh, Jesus, we're both off the ground. And Jerry slipped. And so, like, we're both in the air. And he sidewalk slams me. <laughs> so he slams on the mat, and then all my weight comes down. Then he comes down on top of the me. air comes flying out, and our coach is just like, what are y'all doing? That was an accident. <laughs> yeah. And then the next thing, the first thing you hear was me go, oh. And then it was, I'm okay. And the thumb goes up. And my coach is, and coach is looking at us like, what? I what am I going to do with these knuckleheads? Uh, but yeah, so um, what's the, uh, okay, so here's, here's a good one. 
What is the craziest thing that you've had to do on the mat that doesn't include sidewalk slams? Oh, the craziest thing? Yeah. What's the, like, what, from a standpoint of, I didn't think I could do that, or I wasn't sure about it, but I pulled it off, or something to that effect, like something that surprised you, like a technique that you didn't think you could do and you did, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the nights at my my new gym, we, we've got a few big guys that we train with, and we were doing a half guard sweep that requires you to pretty much I can't remember the the full details of the sweep right now right off the top of my head but essentially it required you to bring your partner's full weight over your body and I was working with a guy that outweighed me by probably 200 pounds and I remember looking at my coach as he was going through this technique and thinking do you really think I can do this with my partner? Because do do you see who I'm partnered with tonight? And just kind of getting to this point of, okay, well, if he's teaching me this technique and he's not switching me up with my partner, then obviously he has faith that this technique is going to work, that if I do it properly, that it's going to go through. And we come, comes time to do the move. I go over to my corner with my partner and boom, it works. it works it was just like the coolest thing and I remember there was one time I did it I was as I'm bringing this body over mine it's like jujitsu it works oh my god (laughs) yeah those moments yeah those moments are fun um that was one of the that was one of the like lights on you know the light bulb moments when when I started Mm -hmm. we had a, a young guy who who trained with us and he was he was a kid but he was just so big he didn't work in the kids class so he came to the adult class and he was he was he was big and he was strong and he was aggressive and like the the one night that I that I finally got to the point where I could use technique to slow him down and counter him and control him I was like okay this is what jiu-jitsu is supposed to be right and that was that was like my lights on moment about jiu-jitsu um (laughs) What was your lights on moment about jujitsu? Was it that sweep or was it something else where you're like, oh, okay. Well, like I said, that in those first few, well, I had done a lot of cross training at the gym that I ended up transferring to. And he would explain a lot of things that, I would come in and I would talk about, okay, I'm really having a lot of trouble with this move. Can you explain something to me? And he would show something and it would be something as simple as you just change an angle or you just grab the hip instead of grabbing the lat or, and it would be like these little teeny tiny light bulb moments of, oh, I didn't realize, you know, I had been struggling with this for so long, you know, some things that I had even been struggling with for like three or four years. And now all I have to do is instead of pushing at a 90 degree angle, all I have to do is change at a 45. I think that was kind of that moment for me. And it wasn't necessarily one moment. It was a bunch of moments that kind of added up. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, cool. So what piece of advice would you have for, a young lady who's interested in training jujitsu? 
be stubborn, jump in there and do it. Nice. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Um, I think we're going to take one more break and then we'll come back and we'll close out with Miss Becky and we'll uh, get on with the, the, the Coffee Wars Chronicles. So we will be right back. My name is Thomas Dillon. You may know me as the man who supposedly killed his own son to collect insurance money. The truth is my little boy, Walter, was abducted by a religious cult. They took him to a parallel world, to an America run by religious fanatics and plagued by disease. I know because I've been there, and I found my son. It's a place of magic and malice and ignorance, where faith healing is medical care and government enforcers dress like Klansmen. Now, I know I sound crazy, like this is the plot of a dystopian dark fantasy novel that would appeal to fans of Neil Gaiman. And indeed, that's how I had to get my story out, by teaming up with writer Matthew Warner. He published my first person account as a novel called Empire of the Goddess. Publishers Weekly called it quick-paced and intriguing. Can you believe that? But he let me record the audiobook, because only I can tell you my story. And it's gonna blow your mind. Look for it on Amazon and at MatthewWarner.com. Empire of the Goddess. And we're back. All right, Becky. So we've been talking about the um, the Twitter open mat where we all get together and have open mat. So I guess my question is, I was going to save this for the end, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to do this on all of the Coffee Wars Chronicles. Who's your first call out at Twitter open mat? Definitely Matt. <laughs> okay. For what, for what reason? Just because he's a jackass. Hey, there we go. All right. Hey, at least she's, hey, she's ready to go. Hey, I'm she's got that call out ready. I'm, I'm telling you, man, grits, girls raised in the South. Um, that's awesome. We all need to make that happen. I think, uh, I think the, the Twitter open Matt would be a ton of fun and Matt's, you know, we're all, kind of where's where's joe from i don't remember where she's from joe is in she's from around chicago but it's not chicago that's right yeah okay. I she was midwest somewhere yeah okay mm -hmm. most of us are relatively southern but yeah we will have to bring her down here and fill her full sweet tea um and get away from that what the northerners call cornbread which is like a twinkie <laughs> yeah, yeah this God. is this is this is true I had a fr we have friends who lived in Pennsylvania and they they're coming down for we were doing this uh big get together and the wife was like oh we'll bring the cornbread it's like okay that'd be cool and they brought these little mini loaves of cornbread it's like oh that's pretty cool and it tastes like a Twinkie with so much sugar in it it's like what is this oh this it's is, cornbread no that ain't cornbread no that's not cornbread no, no, this is cornbread I don't know what that is or when you try to explain to a Yankee what about grits what's grits well y'all might call it polenta yeah we call it grits porridge y'all call y'all y'all pay twenty dollars a pound and call it polenta <laughs> oh man we just call it grits so becky what is your what's your long-term goal in jiu-jitsu um are, are you are, are you shooting for black belt do you want to compete what's your what's your long-term goal i just want to keep training and i want to keep getting better 
There you go. Yep. That's, that's awesome. That's probably the best answer there is. Yeah. Yeah. If keep training means get my black belt eventually fantastic, but I don't want to stop there. I just, I want to keep figuring out the puzzles. I want to keep figuring out how it makes sense and just keep showing, keep getting better. And the puzzle changes with every different person. Yes. That's the thing about it. Yeah. 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 And every new person, we've, we've got some new guys that have come into the gym the last six months and they're, they're a whole batch of new problems and Mm -hmm. it's, it's a whole lot of fun. We've got, we got our, our one team member fluffy is uh, he's just a big round guy. And like, he's, he's a problem because he's just, he's big and round. And when I get him in mount, my knees don't touch the ground and like it, Mm -hmm. you know, my feet are going like that. And we got Jacob, the wrestler who, is uh you know he's he's a whole different batch of problems and you know it's it's just every time somebody new comes in it's a new puzzle to it's a new puzzle to work on and every one of them you're like man i can't figure this dude out and then you know folks get frustrated but you're like no that's the challenge right it's it's like a rubik's cube i know rogan says it all the time but it's a rubik's cube that fights back yeah right and i love that like you said every person that you have a role with that they offer some other new type of challenge and you can get frustrated with and say oh well this just isn't someone I can beat or this is someone that I can learn from I can get better they can offer something new to get to get better with yeah that's how you don't grow is if you roll with one person that you think that you can beat all the time you get better by rolling against the people that frustrate you that you know and it's you should really not be rolling all the time to win you should be rolling to learn (laughs) I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of, here lately, a lot of my roles and end up where the whole role is just a stalemate. You know, you could guess you call it a stalemate, but you know, mm-hmm. it's submitted, but it's more working on this technique or that thing. This past week, this past Thursday, our coach was talking about getting an underhook, no matter what. Mm-hmm. That was instead of teaching like a, a particular position that night, he just emphasized, especially when someone's trying to pass your guard, at least make sure you end up with the underhook. So mm-hmm. I spent that night when we were rolling, just trying to find the underhook on everybody. And, mm-hmm. and that was frustrating because yeah, different, different people, different styles. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I was just trying to end up with the underhook no matter what. Yep. Yep. So I've, I'm trying to focus more on like concepts, like the <laughs> par- the perpendicular, parallel, yeah, parallel, per- perpendicular thing. Um, I'm trying to, find like these universal keys in jujitsu that kind of work anywhere that's that's sort of my like crazy focus right now is if i'm in a bad spot like you know what's the emergency kit look like you know okay well we're parallel so i'm gonna try to get perpendicular and then i'm gonna you know whatever restomp restomp the groin yeah restomp the groin exactly that's always the emergency master kid restomp that's that's the emergency exit restomp the groin (laughs) well you tried that today (laughs) I, I went to the left side and I don't normally go to the left side because your glasses, you threw them on the mat were on the right. So I was trying not to break your glasses. I just ended up breaking the other things. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, yeah. He, took, he took an injury this morning. It was pretty rough. My voice usually isn't this high. It happens. Yeah. So, well, Becky, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, if the the rolling rocks listeners out there want to get to know you and and want to come find you where can they find you on social medias um i'm punks don't cry on twitter awesome good 
Got anything else, Jerry? No, actually, I this was this was fun. I, I like we've we've chatted on Twitter, but now I, we've talked on here, so it's even better. So now when I'm talking to you, I'll you know I'll hear everything you say in a Georgian voice. Yeah, like she, she's putting a twang on that when she's talking. Sorry. No. No, no please. My, I married. I'm I'm going on 21 years of marriage with my wife. Uh, my first wife, I was married once before, and my two they're totally opposite of each other my my wife now is a redneck and she says i you know that she she countryfied me she rednecked me and <laughs> which is fine because i mean we've managed to be together 21 years you know so she did something right yeah but it, what she has a lot of, she has a very pronounced especially when she gets mad her accent gets deeper and deeper and i always know when i'm in trouble because her accent will start getting deeper it's like okay that's take cover yeah I've, I've crossed the line <laughs> ease up yep yeah my my wife when she gets really mad at me she uses my middle name and it's like okay i need to throttle back a minute here like yeah. we're and yeah that she doesn't pull that out very often thankfully because i'm just like Ugh. but you know <laughs> that, that's kind of one of our things it's anyway so um all right so punks don't cry on twitter and then so here in two weeks we're gonna have matt on Two weeks after that, we're going to have Joe on. And then Jerry and I had talked about maybe doing a five-way battle royale mm. on the podcast after we have each of you guys on separately. So yeah, see how that um, works. Yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about that on the on the Twitter feed where we where we set up the podcast, but I think a uh, a winner take all ooh, we could do a winner take all jujitsu trivia contest. Or something. Or something among the group that would be something that would be entertaining be like uh what is it uh coffee challenge of the stars or something yeah about coffee and how you know if if it's not black it depends see there's there's levels of uh, acceptability if you add just a little bit of cream for texture because i will sometimes on weekends i'll put a little bit of cream for i have two kinds of coffee i have my survival coffee, my medicinal coffee, and then I have my enjoyable enjoy coffee. On the weekends, I'm trying to, you know, if I don't have to work, I, I try to enjoy coffee. But the rest of the time, it's medicinal and it keeps other people from ending up in the hospital. Uh, yeah, the, the survival coffee is for the survival, survival of other, other people. people. So I don't go to prison. I don't think I do well in prison. Uh, Rendering for that. Yeah. So yeah, we could we could talk about coffee. We talk about jujitsu. We could just throw some random stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. We can have some fun. Be like Jeopardy. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll table that one for a later yeah. discussion. I think a battle royale would be good. Yeah. And just to warn you, I'm going to ask this question about who's the first call yeah. out at Twitter open mat to everybody on the show that we have on the show. So you might get called out too. Yeah. We'll okay. See works. I'm ready. All right. I have, yeah, I, have I have no, no doubt. doubt. Have we no doubt. we are not we are not worried one there, bit. There's moments I think you and Joe are the more more aggressive than we are. <laughs> yeah, I yeah yeah yeah. But anyway, so do you have any parting thoughts for us or or anything else you want to talk about today before we let we let you go? Nothing that I can think of. Just thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. We appreciate you coming. Yeah, on. thank you for coming on. This has been a lot of fun um until the until either open mat happens or the online battle royale podcast happens this has been becky i'm scott barker this is jerry armantrout we're out the music for tonight's episode was but i am shafts of light by mayeth 
from their album, Wailing Village. <laughs> 